Butterfly Kisses came out in 2018. Yes, Halloween 2018. And you spent a good year prior to that release just at the festivals, right? Yes, sir. That was a that was about a solid year, and it was going all over the country. And the film also played abroad. I wasn't able to make it overseas for anything, but yeah, a solid year. And um, I remember when I was pitching the story to a number of the people that I would ultimately end up working with on it. Um, I was saying, okay, all right. So before you say anything, just promise me you're going to let me finish. Just hold on, okay? All right. Found footage. And I see their eyes start to roll right away. And I go, no, 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 no. Hang on. Stay with me here. Found footage. Never tells us who found the footage. Let's make a documentary about somebody that says, I have found the real life Blair Witch Project. And, you know, the world was taken by surprise and many of them were hoodwinked for five minutes back in 1999 when Ed Sanchez and Dan Myrick released that film. Um, and a lot of people had never seen anything like that before. And of course, when something is popular, what happens? You see the cavalcade of schlock that follows just trying to sort of, um, you know, recycle that template over and over again. So found footage now is just another subgenre of horror with its own set of tropes and rules. And we can sort of anticipate what's going to happen going in. And being that I'm somebody who really loves to, to, you know, get into the nuts and bolts of storytelling. And I've done quite a bit of critical writing um, for various websites and publications about film and film genre. Um, I thought, wouldn't it be really fun to say, okay, I'm going to make my own Blair Witch Project and it's going to be filled with all the things that you're going to expect it to have. Student filmmakers, local legend, blah, 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 you know, all the beats and you're expecting them. Hopefully, it'll still be an interesting concept, whatever it's going to be, that which ultimately became, you know, Blink Man, Peeping Tom, whatever you want to call him. Um, but that, to me, the found footage was less interesting than saying, now, we make a documentary populated with nothing but real people playing themselves. One lead actor who is an actor who, you know, we're following his journey as he has this box of footage that he has discovered, a la Blair Witch Project. And he's going around and trying to, you know, essentially get himself a multi-million dollar Hollywood deal from it. You know, how do I become the next Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Myrick and have this playing at AMC or wherever? Um, where do I cash in? Because get it, this isn't just a movie, everybody. This is it for real. I got the real thing. This is worth, this is priceless. Um, would we in, you know, the latter half of, you know, the 2010s ever, ever, ever in a million years believe a claim like that? Not only because we had been hoodwinked, um, you know, in fun with a horror movie 20 years earlier, but we now are savvy enough to realize that, you know, that, that most trusted of genres, the documentary, we can't trust documentaries. We can't trust so-called reality TV. We can't, we can't trust a lot of things that we see that are, are fluid and malleable. It's how you edit something together and tell whatever story you're trying to tell. 
that that lends it its you know alleged truth uh, without getting on a soapbox. Everybody's talking about pandemic right now, you know, and uh, the vast majority of the world is saying that that's all bogus. But there are people who believe it. Look, there are people, official experts, talking and you know saying facts and numbers and things like that. It must be true. The the adage that the camera never lies that's not the case. So I thought it would be a lot of fun to make a fake documentary to first make a fake found footage movie and then make a fake documentary wrapped around it where this guy is going around to paranormal experts, um, you know, folklore authors to, you know, um, just about every expert in town and anyone who might be able to get him some press, some buzz, some publicity. And he's showing them this found footage and nobody believes it for all the reasons we would not believe it. But at the same time, would it be kind of fun to say, hey, 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 look, we're not trying to do what the Blair Witch guys did. You know, they told you that this found footage was real. We're saying, no, this found footage is fake. But we got all these real people in a fake documentary telling you that. See if I could see if I could approach the same sort of thing from a different direction. And um, with some people, it worked. Other people saw through it right away. But if I can at least create the illusion of reality and you can transport yourself there for 90 minutes, cool. You know, inside the found footage part, the stereotypical Blair Witch stuff, I wanted to cast actors and I still wanted them to be fresh faces. I tried to pull more from theater than from film. Um, but I felt like if that felt at times staged or like they were actors acting, that was okay. That Because the entire argument, the thrust of the documentary wrapped around it is, is this real or is this a hoax? And here are the reasons why we believe it might be real. And here are the reasons why we believe it might be hoaxed. So if they felt like actors at time, that was okay. But the documentary had to be as close to 100% convincing and believable as possible. And so I'd written a script and I'm realizing for the first time that while I have Seth Kallick, who is playing the protagonist or the anti-hero, Gavin, whom we are following with our documentary cameras, um, everybody else has to be real. And the blessing to that is they bring their own experience and their own um, verisimilitude. We know that this person is real. We know that DC 101 is a real place. We know that the director of the Blair Witch Project is really the director of the Blair Witch Project when he pops up for a cameo. Um, but the, the other side of that is that people who have never acted before, that doesn't mean that you turn a camera on and they can just play themselves. It's not as simple as just, I'm just going to play myself. They, they don't necessarily have that experience. They don't know how to perform, how to emote, remember lines. And so what I tried to do was do three takes of every scene. And the first take was, give me what's on the book. Let's, let's, I want to hit these dialogue marks. The second take would be, feel free to go a little bit off book, put it in your own character's language or in your language a little bit more, but hit all those same marks. And then the third take would be, just go. Just run with it. And so what you'd end up seeing in the assembly, the final film, is you'd see a little bit of each of those, you know, various takes that we did. And with people like the ghost hunters, that was 100 percent 
off book at a certain point. You know, they they just started going with it, bringing their own experience as paranormal investigators, their own unwillingness to be made fun of and exploited by a probable huckster. They bring that reality to the moment. And it's amazing. It's great. It's and that is, you know, an interesting thing about the film that a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about it. They, they refer to it as being a found footage movie. And I guess it is, you know, it, it hits all of the markers for what we would consider a found footage movie. But then you, you have this whole other element to it, which is it's it's satire. It's in a way sort of deconstructing found footage movies and also deconstructing documentaries in general. Um, and so that really works for some people. Some, but, but people who love horror can be a little bit turned off by that other stuff, like maybe your son. Uh, but then people who are, have no use for horror get turned on by, you know, all of that self-reflexive commentary. So um, it, can, it can make it a hard film to describe sometimes. How do people find you? How do people find Butterfly Kisses? How do they, how do they keep in touch? Roulette, my first film, and Butterfly Kisses, my second film, are both available streaming for free if you have Amazon Prime. Um, or you can buy the Blu-ray or the DVDs for either one through Amazon, Best Buy, Barnes & Noble, all those places. Uh, I also write film criticism for Ain't Cool News, so you can find me there. Uh, I write under the handle EKM. Those are my initials for Eric Christopher Myers. That's also how you'd find me on Twitter or on Facebook, EKM or EK Myers. Be sure to follow Eric Christopher Myers, EKM, on all of the social platforms. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Be sure to email me feedback or suggestions to pelhamplaceshow at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and be safe.